Hey Warriors, welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you guys have had a great week. Um, mine's been pretty decent. We looked at kind of another house and we are kind of interested. It's still a little bit high in my opinion because I'm kind of getting mixed reviews on the whole utility, how it works out there. Some people say certain numbers, other people say other numbers, and so far I'm kind of like not sure. But at the same time, another thing kind of happened where... Um, Another person kind of pointed out to ask this realtor for help and I kind of reached out to him and he kind of directed me to another financial person, which I got in contact yesterday and she's planning on trying to see if she can help me out. I still think we're probably going to have the same issue, but just something in me told me just to try. So I am. But beside that point, um, because I, I, there's still, well, I should say, I, I'm still hoping that maybe I could buy a home. I mean... I don't, know, I don't know how many of you have been renting and you've seen the prices currently, <clears throat> but lately, you know, it's really hard to kind of find a really nice balanced home for a decent price. Like you have to pay almost like two to almost three mortgages just to do it. And I'm just, I'm trusting in God, you know, like I shared on the Facebook page, you know, don't always believe what you see, believe what God has said. And you know, God has not said specifically that he was going to have me buy a house. But I also know that I can't ignore when I feel the Holy Spirit kind of tell me just to try. So I am. Um, today's, or I should say, yeah, today's topic is something that has always been kind of, it kind of has always bothered me. In a lot of ways, uh, you know, one of the things that some of you guys probably don't know, I actually have a master's degree in basically it's creative writing and social, like social platform communicating. Um, it's mo mostly I, I, like I know how to do script writing. I know how to deal with uh, creating a story. And a lot of times there was times where I felt I don't understand why God is having me do this. Because right after I was done with my bachelor's, I started looking into seminary. And every time I tried to go into that direction, there was this tug at it to, that, like, almost, almost like I didn't say yes to that. So I went back to the Lord. And then one of the things that, like, I, I, I was talking about last week, you need to seek out God. You need to always seek out God in everything. You need to surrender um, actually, I don't know if I was talking to you guys, actually, it might have been someone else I was talking to, but the idea is that we should always be seeking out God's guidance in our life. We should always be seeking him out in everything that we do. And maybe I'll do more of a talk on this, but it's basically complete surrender. And the idea is that if you're walking with the Lord, if you're talking with the Lord, you're spending time with the Lord, then the Lord's going to speak to you he's going to show you direction he's going to guide you in the choices that you make and i really felt that god was not saying yes to seminary and i didn't understand it per se of the why but then <clears throat> i was going to get into creative writing and, and, and all that area because god said yes to that so in my mind i thought it was going to be either writing books which i am actually writing one book like focusing more on one right now i do have kind of another one i just haven't figured out all the details of how i want to write it 
Um, but then I also was sitting there and like, why would you have me do a master's program for this? Well, I've always had a creative mind growing up. I always had a story running in my head. I've, you know, I used to, when I would play with my toys when I was younger, I made stories. I also been really big in MMORPGs and like most of my characters that I've ever created all have stories or I can at least build a story around them for you. And then I also did not necessarily Dungeons and Dragons, but I've done tabletop type stuff with friends in high school. And I even did it even a little bit as you, in, in my early 20s with some friends. And I even did it in the last church I was at. I did a Star Wars version where I actually created the whole story. There was no Skywalker saga going through it. Um, it basically was kind of like a alternative Star Wars world that I kind of created for everybody. So I've always been really big on that. And then I remember I was re-watching, I don't know if you guys ever watched Seventh Heaven, but later on down the road, Lucy goes into getting her degree for pa being a, coming a pastor for um, and everything. And she was really bummed out that she had to take a class called creative writing. And I was just like, oh, isn't that kind of ironic? And she, she was like getting all bummed about it. But then she kind of learned that the reason why this was a good teaching for her is because it helped her clarify what she was trying to teach. And I thought about that for a little bit because she started talking about basically the design behind creative writing and creative writing. The beauty behind it is that it teaches you the flow of a story. And so when I preach, a lot of times I have kind of like a set beginning um, and then there's kind of like a middle part and then there's kind of like an end to it. And I, I've always tried to keep that perspective. I always designed where there's stuff I want to talk about. There's there's kind of like this pinnacle point that like, I don't know, sometimes usually it's when the Holy Spirit gets really hyped up. And then near the end, it's just to kind of slow it down, but enough to kind of give you an overview of the thought. And I've kind of taken that as part of my way of being able to talk. Because remember, um, actually, I don't know. Once again, I think I might have been talking to someone else. But when I was growing up, I was very shy. And in middle school, I was pretty shy. And sports opened me up a lot. High school, I did I did not like talking in front of people. And then I also even said I'd never become a pastor. But anyway, there was like a time where I was not comfortable in standing in front of people. Now I'm, a little, I'm actually a lot better than I used to be. Um, doing podcasts is even is it really kind of opened me up and it's even a little bit better but it's also because you know I game and I also command in Guild Wars 2 and I talk a lot I'm also a leader of a Christian community so it's kind of like in essence kind of build up this capability of speaking this way but at the same time I think if I were actually standing in front of everybody it'd be, it'd be pretty much be about the same I mean there's still gonna be that nervousness because Sitting in front of people is nerve-wracking. Nerve I also, am, you know, I'm a kind of a big guy, so, like, I'm not charismatic. I'm not, like, this tall, uh, you know, average person. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very uniquely different. Um, shaved head. Um, I'm trying to do, a, trying to make my beard look better. You know, I wish I could have one, one of those really nice big beards. But anyway, the concept is that a lot of that of my past, you know, and the struggles and my, you know, being bullied and all that had really impacted in how I stand in front of people. But beside that point, the understanding of story, understanding of 
phrases and wordage and purpose behind why TV shows and movies and even advertisement uh, captures your mind and thought, right? Is actually behind how things are presented. A lot of people love to do movies and they're looking for that big break. They want to do movies so they can make millions of dollars. And so they, they focus on trying to make that big break. I was the oddball out of my class and I wanted to do a TV show. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to do a TV show was because NCIS is my top favorite. My top favorite funny, I guess, so-called mystery sitcom is Psych. And the thing about those two shows, and I'm talking about the original NCIS, not the necessarily the newer, newer ones. And LA is pretty decent. Um, not really happy with the Hawaii one. They, to me, they did a they, they try to force too many things and trying to make it feel like you're you're watching Hawaii Five O and Magnum and um ncs all mixed together so it's they they need to just they need to be their own see when you start copying other people you could start telling how it breaks it breaks down a show or even breaks down a person um so anyway the beauty behind tv shows though if it's done correctly is that you get to grow up with the characters if they relate to you it impacts you more and then over time, as you kind of get to be part of that family, when someone leaves, like for example, Gibbs, it really impacts the fans, it impacts the community, impacts the the environment of the show in such a, a such a way that it can make you literally cry. It can make you feel sad, make you feel like you lost someone. And it was even like that, even with Kate in the beginning, because you built a relationship with Kate. It was the same thing when Ziva stepped away. Because you saw the father-daughter relationship between Gibbs and her. And it was almost as, it was also pretty hard when Dinoza left, you know, being there a lot, the longest and the relationship he had with Gibbs. You see, that's that's how good shows work. And with, I guess you could say with Gus and Sean, you get to see the growth of two best friends growing together, but you also get to see the relationships they have with other people. And even though there's a lot of humor in it, you get to see the growth and you get to see the connection. And even when that show ended, it really bugged me because that was a really good show for one, made me laugh all the time. But, you know, that relationship had to end. And that's the key thing. So... The negative side of all of this, and, and kind of the point of why this is an, even a conversation, even though I spent a lot of time talking about all this stuff, is that words, concepts, and philosophies, and ideology that is put into shows does affect you and I. You can see in today in a lot of more, like I would call woke shows, there is this influence to create a mindset in you and I to think a certain way. And if you're bothered by it, it means that you're noticing it. You're noticing that shows aren't as 
family oriented. You notice that they're and they're not as family building up, I should say. So there might be family, but there's like it's not building it up in the proper way. They're pushing ideologies down your throat. Um, they're focusing on issues that wouldn't be a natural conversation because they're trying to make you think differently. And then they generalize a lot of things too and make it make certain things sound evil when they're not evil too as well. And one of the main statements has always been something that's always bugged me for years and years and years. I think it's even become even much heavier in today because of all the issues that we have, people want you to think that the one area on you that has the right answers and is good and is holy and, and is righteous and has no problems is your heart. The phrasing that I hear a lot still, and it's still constant and it's all the time, and it's even said by Christians to other Christians, and that, that bugs me too, but it's follow your heart. See, the key thing about that phrasing is it may sound innocent. It may sound okay when you say it out of your mouth. But the problem is your and I's heart until we are in heaven is not purified 100%. It does not mean it can't be cleansed. It does not mean that it can't have the Holy Spirit in it. But there's a key part to understanding that, which we will get to that at some point today. But that that is where wisdom, teaching, good values, that's where where like having proper parenting, um, biblical teaching comes into play discipleship, mentoring, parenting, teaching, whatever it may be, Sunday school class, Bible studies, all that is engraved to help you have a heart that's more towards God versus the world. You see, one of the things that bugs me about that phrase is if you are a Christian and it should bug you is if you studied or even remotely had some good biblical teaching, you would know that the heart can be deceived. One of my favorite verses to go to is actually Jeremiah 17. And it's verse 9, but we're going to do 9 through 10. It states, and I'm doing the message first before I go to what I normally know. It says, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they they are really, not as they pretend to be. Now, I want you to think about that statement because it's powerful, it's strong, and... We need to understand this. The other version that I, you know, like NLT or something else, if you were to look at those verses, it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really 
knows how bad it is. But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. You see, the one thing about God is you can't fool him. You can't fool him. You can't lie to him. You can't trick him. You can't change his mind by your wordage. And this is why it's super important to understand for you and I dealing with other people. If we know God's word, if we study, we spend time in prayer, we we spend time with other believers, we're going to be able to see a, a roundabout image of what we're supposed to seek out for people who are being godly, walking in truth, who are speaking in truth, and who are speaking like literally truthful to you. Because a lot of times what people do is that they can come across as not lying to you by how they speak. But then you start noticing things that don't match up with their words, which is why there's even verses that talk about don't just say what is right and then not do what, to, not do it. And then there's also situations where You can see how the heart being corrupted can change a person. King Saul is a very good example of that, who had the Lord over him and that was taken away from him. And he deceptively looked and appeared to be a man that was leading the people correctly. But in his heart, he was hateful towards David. He wanted to kill him, remember? So the idea is that we walk around and we use this phrase. We tell people who are struggling or having a hard time trying to figure out their way. Oh, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart or just follow your heart. But the, the, the problem is you don't know that person's heart. Because it's not engraved with truth unless you engrave it with truth. Because a lot of times if we follow our heart, we're not going to be doing what, what God wants us to do. Because our heart has a selfish desire automatically. It's how we, it's basically what we put into it. Wisdom, the understanding that allows us to guard our heart, allows us to take in wisdom, allows us to be able to walk and truth and be godly and make good decisions is the Holy Spirit is helping us to stay on track. So, I mean, Proverbs has been one of my favorite books when it comes to wisdom understanding. So, like, if you want to get that type of wisdom thrown into your heart, go to Proverbs. So, if we go to Proverbs um, 4, go down to verse 4. Starting there, it says, my father taught me, take my words to heart. Now, even though this is like Solomon talking to the son, it's actually also God talking to us. So understand that's the similar style of this conversation. Take my words to, to heart, follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Now you notice he used that phrasing twice already. 
So that means there's, that's, that's important, something to hold on to, something to, to engrave in your heart to understand. I obey his commands. I get wisdom. I develop good judgment. If you go into verse eight, if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head and she will present you with a beautiful crown. Understand that if you put and hide his word in your heart, you will not sin against him, which is in Psalms 119, 110, I believe, or 112. So the idea is everybody obey God's commands and you will see and understand what wisdom looks like. You will also be able to make good choices. You will also gain discernment. You will also not fall for the traps of this world. You will also not fall into the bad philosophies of this world. You also will not be tricked by wordage. Because that's the one thing is that words can and do matter. People will say, oh, words can never hurt me. No, it's not that words can never hurt you, but words can mess with you. It can change your perspective. You can start questioning your faith, your views. I mean, it's another area that we could talk to that if you ha talk about, if you haven't been paying attention, but you should go look up what deconstruction of the, of the gospel or deconstruction of the church is in, in, read Alyssa's uh, article, read what John Cooper's talking about and understand that wordage can start messing up with your mind and how you perceive God's truth. That's why it's very important to not just follow what people are telling you, but to study up on it too, to get understanding, to not get snared or trapped by the lies. Because a lot of times what starts happening is the lies start sounding very close to the truth and you start to listen and you put that in your heart. And now your heart is starting to believe a different view than what God had intended. I want you to think about that for a moment as we take a quick break. Hey, warriors, welcome back after the commercial. Like I said, okay, you know, what we put in our heart is going to start showing out. You're going to start seeing it. It's going to start making people see something about you. Like if we, Proverbs 27, 19, it says, if, as a face is reflected in the water, so you know when you go up to the lake, you look at it, you see your face, so the heart reflects the real person. You got to understand what we're placing in some, in our heart is going to be reflected. So if you're starting to listen to what people are saying without checking the scriptures and studying the scriptures and, and knowing what the scriptures are, and you're just taking what you hear from people and putting it in your heart, you're going to start seeing things. Well, actually you won't see the change in you because you will be thinking you are doing what is right. But other people who are walking in truth will start seeing it too. 
that's why we're having such a bigger problem with so-called celebrity pastors and celebrity type churches that have been growing, have mass amounts of people who are doing amazing music and, and, in people's minds, but the wordage, remember, I was talking about this in creative writing concepts, the wordage is not teaching the truthage of truth. I use that as the title. Wordage is not teaching the truthage of the word. You see, a lot of times what happens, how people get deceived, is that words change. Meanings change. Concepts change. Views start changing. You start questioning things that you shouldn't be questioning. Okay? You know, we can go into like you watching bad shows, watching inappropriate things that can also get in your heart. And that does reflect the real person out loud. Like people can see it. You may not think they can. You think you're hiding. But in reality is it's not hiding. It's being revealed just in different ways. Sometimes how you speak, how you treat somebody, how you respond, how you react, that's all going to be seen because what you filled in your heart is, is slowly comes out in how you act. You know, if you struggle with a specific sin and you put yourself in a situation where those sins are bombarding you a bit, have you noticed that you kind of fall back into those type of sins for a little bit? That's because you're not guarding your heart. So you got to understand guarding your heart is protecting your heart. You can't sit there and think that you are being protected because you go to church or you went to your Bible study. That's not how it works. You can't count on one-time relationships throughout the week to suddenly be okay and be protected. No, that's not how it works. Gaining wisdom and understanding of God's truth is vital to understanding what it means to have discernment, to understand that when people are using phrases like follow your heart, especially from Christian to Christian, no. You need to remember, no, it should be seek out God, pray about it, talk with me about it. Talk with an, a brother or, or even a, a sister that you trust, that you know that they are walking in truth, that they are walking with the Lord and seek out wisdom. That's what wisdom is really. You know, my experiences, your experiences, you can share that with someone else. Like if you, they, if someone who's, who's struggling in, in, in their marriage and you've struggled in your marriage, but you've sought out God, you sought out uh, people who were godly to give you wisdom and encouragement, you take what you've learned from that and you also now tell this, this other person, hey, this is what I did, this is what I went through. You need to figure this part out instead of, uh, well, just follow your heart. Because you know, a lot of times, if you think about it, if you're upset with your wife you and you're like really upset and you don't necessarily know what's going on in someone's mind, there could be this battle where it's like, should I divorce her or not? And you go up and you tell them, just follow your heart. And then their heart, they may think the easiest thing is to divorce and find someone else because it'll be better on the side of the yard. 
but because you didn't spend time to really talk to them and two you just gave them the the generalization of follow your heart instead of hey seek out god this what does god say about marriage what what should we do like that's why it's so important to make sure you guys are understanding the beauty and the importance of mentorship you may not be a pastor you may not feel like you are the best example of everything that you could think of for helping someone else but if you know some things of truth and you know that you've struggled in your marriage but you've got to see god move in it you don't think that that wisdom and and the weakness that you had during that time could not show value to someone else who's also struggling we all battle with certain situations and a lot of times the enemy is going to use things around us to make us do what we want versus what would god would do or what we should be doing as a man of god The one thing I've always learned in pro, you know, Proverbs three, four, you know, four and five, you know, it's always been a good part of my life, but I, I decided to do the message, but it's going to be verses five to 12. And it's quite interesting. It says, trust God with, from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health and your very bones will be basically vibrant with life. See, the one thing that the enemy is going to do, and the one reason why this statement is so dangerous saying follow your heart, is the enemy wants you to think you have all the answers. You need to figure it all out. You don't need anybody else. Remember how I've talked about in the past that men get taught to be individualized? Okay, we get taught to believe that we can solve all problems. We don't need anybody's help. We don't need to be weak in front of other people. And I put that in quotations for weak. We don't need to show that we don't got it all figured out. And these are lies that are getting penetrated into men. And I think even women have their own version of fighting over this. And the truth is, it's more of a man to go and ask for help. It's more of a man to seek out wisdom from other men. It's, it's more of a man to pray with other men. It's more men, manly, in my opinion, to share your burdens with other men. You're struggling with a sin and you trust these guys, open up. If you're having a hard time in your marriage, open up. But I will tell you never to just follow your heart. Now, when you read that verse five, it says, trust God from the bottom of your heart means that you are putting everything that you know your heart wants to do and you're putting it to God. You're placing it at his feet. You are surrendering all of it to him. We need to understand when we watch these shows, when we listen to things on TV, whether it's news, social media, whatever it may be, you need to gain understanding of God's truth. Because in our churches today, there is movements trying to go in there and change 
our absolutes, to change our pillars, to change our Christian understanding, to question our old ways in the wrong way, to reinvent it. That's what deconstruction church churches or deconstruction faith is all about. That's what's going on. <clears throat> it is starting to be more relevant, but it's also becoming very sneaky. It's not straightforward, and you'll have people who will be mocking people who th who are saying that this is going on because they don't want those people to have any authority because there is some underlining motivations behind certain things. It doesn't mean that every person who is trying to slap down someone else because of that type of thinking as a because they they're not Christians or they may not be walking no and a lot of times in my mind they're being deceived though I do think some of them are wolves some of them are false teachers some of them are doing it on purpose because they want to gain power and so they they go into those boats and they do that kind of stuff so they, they, a lot of times what you'll find is that some of these churches will, if someone starts questioning the pastor, that, that suddenly they're again treated and oust or pushed out or blackballed or it's basically tell them to go somewhere else and that's wrong. Now, there's a difference between questioning the pastor for the right, right way and the right reasons versus just because you disagree with him because you don't disagree, like you don't agree with what he's saying. Like if you, if you start seeing, you know, someone who's saying, you know, a pastor standing up there on Sunday morning, preaching the Bible, and then suddenly says, could the Bible, you know, I want you guys to think about the Bible. Is it possible that maybe the Bible is not a hundred percent true? And he starts pushing an ideology of maybe people have been messing up this whole time on God's word. Maybe what we've been reading for all these years is not really true. Maybe some of the things that we've been promoting, like abortion and homosexuality, has been right this whole time. See, that's how that's how easy it could be possible to change someone's mind. You know, all of you are probably thinking, "Oh no, I wouldn't fall for that." But the thing is, if you trust somebody, and that's that's what the problem is, you have someone who's a pastor and they're standing on Sunday. You trust that what they're teaching is truth. You're trusting that what they're saying is reasonable to think. Because after they might say that, I go, but I want you guys to understand, you know, the Bible is God's word. You see, what they do is they put like these questions out and then suddenly they'll just go right back to the actual truth and say God's word is true, right? But now they, they slipped in this thought of questioning. Well, you know, is is it is it wrong? I mean, homosexual people do love each other, so maybe, maybe scripture is wrong. Um, you know, that woman can't take care of that child. You know, maybe she was right. You know, they start you start questioning. Do you see how easy it is to walk away from the actual truth? I've heard this out loud like this is not I'm not making this up this is what I've heard people respond to me about you see that's how easy it is to be deceived if you don't have proper teaching if your church is not teaching you 
biblical teaching. If you're if you're if you don't find people in your church who actually love to pray, who actually love talking about God, who actually it's not all about just having fun, hanging out, doing things. That's the one thing that has always bugged me. If I ever hear that youth group is only about games and having fun and and just watching movies and hanging out and eating snacks if that is the goal behind your pastor's view and youth ministry don't go to that church don't put your kids in that church your kids should be getting taught biblical truth they should be learning bible stories they should be maybe even memorizing they should be having fun but it's not the topic of youth ministry. It's not the hot topic. It's not the main goal. They should be doing Bible studies. They should be having small groups. If your church has a small group youth group and they're teaching Bible studies and they're different classes, that's the type of church you want to be looking for. They should be getting taught Bible truth. If it's all about games, having pizza every Friday night or whatever youth group is at. And that's all it really is. And your all you, all you hear your kids talk about is all the fun stuff they did. But then when you ask them, Oh, what did, what did you learn? And it's like, Oh, I, I don't really know. Or yeah, we just, we just did a Bible verse and talked about it. That's not the type of teaching your kids need. I'm going to be straight honest because if that's the type of youth group that that church wants to do, then you, you as an adult really need to pay attention to what the pastor's teaching. Because if that's how they look at youth group, can you imagine how they must look at adult ministry? I don't mean to sound so forward aggressive about that, but when I, when I was doing youth group and I was doing youth group in the past, the fun game time was not the necessary focus of the youth group. It was always the Bible studies were deep things, good conversation based off books or whatever it may be, a video that we watched, but it was about things that related to your kids. When I did it for three years, it was all about teaching, all about teaching. I had fun days where like maybe every few weeks we do something fun. We had a game day or we go somewhere and we do stuff. It, it, it was something to do, but Usually on youth group days, we may, may, I may let them play with the basketballs for like 15 minutes or something like that. Or, you know, we may do like some sword fighting cause I made swords and stuff. Um, or I had them play a board game or whatever, or they could just hang out, you know, give kids a, a chance to chill. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You want them to just kind of, you know, get, get in a good spot, but to be honest, guys, Teaching is so vital when people are using wordages and ideologies to try to convince you of a different view or start making you start using worldly devices to teach, be aware. And that's the main thing. I will tell you this. If you are hearing phrases in your Christian teaching by other Christians, by your pastor, by youth leaders that the world uses on a daily basis, like follow your heart. That should be your first red flag and say, why are you using that? And what does that mean to you? And then two, 
be careful because if that is so easily being used as like a normal saying, what else is being used? What other teachings are being taught? What other views are being placed in your kids' kids' minds, your minds? You need to know your truth. You need to know God's word. You need to know and understand it so that the wisdom that you've been gained is placed in your heart. It's also in Proverbs 3, 1, it says, Good friend, don't forget all I have taught you. Take to heart my commands. It is written like crazy in scripture to make sure whatever you take is placed in your heart. It's don't follow my commands. Put it in your heart. Put it in your heart. Take my commands. It's, it's just over and over again, all this information to make sure that you are taking in God's word and that it reflects to him. Like it is basically you get to see God's truth come out in that. And verse uh, later on in verse, uh, uh, or actually chapter four of Proverbs, it states this, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart where they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I'm going to read that again. I want you guys to think about this, these verses, the last things in your mind, the verses to think about. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It is so important to understand why you need to guard your heart. The enemy wants to break you. The enemy doesn't want to see you succeed. The enemy does not want you to follow God's truth. The enemy does not want to see you change lives, make an impact in people's hearts. It is all about making you feel lost, broken, and more like the world is possible to gain control of who you are so that you don't make this like that you could fall and not get in, on, on track. And in the message, it says, dear friend, listen well to my words, tune your ears to my voice, keep my message in plain view at all times, concentrate, learn it by heart. Those who discover the words live, really live body and soul. They're bursting with health. Keep diligent watch over your heart. That's where life starts. So I'm going to end this with the guys, these verses. I want you to understand you need to guard your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I ask that you move uh, the men today or even women that are listening, that you allowed them to understand why it's so important to be aware of what the world is teaching. And if they start hearing this in churches, that they need to be aware that this is a worldly teaching coming into their church. They need to be able to have your word hidden in their heart, but they also need to be guarding it and protecting it because what comes from the heart is reflected in who they are. 
I pray, Lord, thanks for all that you do. I pray that you continue to bless these podcasts for any new members, any new people that are listening, and that you just allow them to protect their hearts, to pay attention, to know no wordages so that they don't get caught in the traps. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray you guys have a blessed week, and I'll see you next time. God bless.